When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Phil and Kyle start a podcast and Rudy Gobert comes to town. Hardly a coincidence. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyge. That's right. This is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast with Phil and Kyle. Always on the road. I'm hanging out with my uh, my dad down here in Phoenix, trying to figure out why the Phoenix Suns owner is a racist who got suspended <laughs> for a year. Kyle is not in Hawaii. He is back. back home in Portland. Love and life. And uh, repping prize picks, which, by the way, is a, a new sponsor on Score North. I mean, totally coincidental here. Maybe that... Maybe that will trickle into flagrant howls at some point during the regular season. So we've had plenty of luminaries on this show here. We have Michael Grady last week, new TV voice and face of the Timberwolves. The great Craig Kilborn, gray star presence a few weeks back. And now we peak with the host of the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Dane Moore himself joins flagrant howls. What's going on, man? Yes, I belong totally in the, the same <laughs> class <laughs> as Craig Kilborn. No, I'm I'm good, man. I got uh I got Jeff Wilson on waivers and fantasy. So oh, big pickup for you. Them. I'm gonna start them up week two right away. Team's already falling apart. Uh, <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott, I drafted early, and now Wilson takes over. You spend, Kyle, are you, are you a fantasy football guy, Kyle? Huge fantasy football guy. You spend all summer like doing mocks and reading things, and then seven days into the season, I have like $26 bid on Cooper Rush. And so it's yeah. like, oh, cool. I guess I'm just going to start <laughs> drinking ethanol uh, on Sundays. Like, oh, what a great like, – we're not even to October yet, and I'm I'm with Dane. I missed out on Jeff Wilson, and like my whole Wednesday sucks. I'm like, I don't know if I want to record. Like, I didn't get the most random running back on my fantasy team. So, yeah, big fantasy guy. I know this is a Timberwolves podcast, but did you guys see Mike McCarthy just staring off in the distance the entire second <laughs> half of that game the other night? You know, he's yeah. just he's just probably thinking of Sean Payton's going to take my job. My God, is this going to be next week? Am I going to have to wait a month? I don't know. But Mike, it's Mike McCarthy is Elon Musk compared to Nathaniel Hackett, though. Oh, I don't even man. want to get into how much money in Survivor picks and just... <laughs> Uh, I got a large Dairy Queen Blizzard Monday night just because I was like sad. I was like, "Oh, this is my like, what a terrible start to the week." You won in both your leagues, though. You yeah, but that. dude, those Survivor. I mean, Survivor. That's another topic. Like every good team lost. It was impossible. Like I don't, I don't know. It's yeah. sad. Someone, someone like misclicked and you know, like misclicked the Giants, and they're in the second <laughs> round. They're the only person that's in the second round. Yeah. So uh, before we we're gonna we're gonna do a deep dive on Rudy Gobert here, and uh, and and coincidentally we were, we had this scheduled to we were gonna record this 
today at this time anyways, but he just got done leading his uh, his French team through the quarterfinals of Eurobasket, the tournament. So we'll get into what Gobert has been up to, uh, just some questions about Gobert. But first, I want you guys, Dane and Kyle, tell the audience, because Dane, you've got this awesome, massive Timberwolves podcast, the Daymore NBA show. You guys are going to collaborate this season. So tell the audience what you guys are up to on that podcast. Yeah. Uh, so for, for two years, I've been just kind of my started my company running the, the podcast on my own. And uh, Kyle has been a, a consistent guest on the show, uh, but he's also been somebody who's really helped me behind the scenes since I, I went independent and, and now I need, I need more help. So, so Kyle's really helped me on the back end with a, with a whole bunch of things. And then every Friday, will be will be coming uh on my show to talk about you know what's ever going on with the wolves maybe talk about a little fantasy football in there too um but yeah i kyle is kyle's been my guy in this uh since the beginning so we're kind of making it a little bit more of a professional relationship putting and, a ring yeah, on it oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. last year i married abby and now this year i married dane uh, so and now I'm dating <laughs> Phil on the sides. Like life That's is pretty great. good for me, and everyone's um, kind of okay with it here. You know, it's, yeah, uh, everyone, uh, <laughs> we're all we're all open. Just like a fantasy team, we have flex spots, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, if you're not subscribed already, any, anywhere you can find podcasts, the Daymore NBA podcast. Um, all right, what did you guys see from uh, from Gobert here? Did you both watch this Eurobasket game today? Do you watch it, Kyle? Yeah, I watch it. I was I, I'm I wanted to start it off. I know uh, Judd. And Declan had uh, Doogie on earlier this week. Apologies to all of our international supporters and subscribers and guests. I'm so much like Judd. Like, I don't want any of these guys playing. I know Euro basketball is, like, very, very important. But if you know me and you guys do, like, I watch everything Rudy Gobert does. And I just pray to God he just lands normal and then makes uh-huh. it down the court and, like, doesn't hurt himself. So, yeah, France came back, beat Italy. Second half was crazy. I think Gobert, I saw set. he's, like, plus 70 Dane on the court or Francis plus 70 with him on the court and minus 51 with him out. So like, he's a huge deal, but I just kind of was hoping they would lose. Cause I just want him to like relax <laughs> and like just do abs and not like play basketball for a while. <laughs> just, pu- just put some selfies on your Instagram. Don't twist your ankle guy. Okay. Yeah. So no, but I mean, he looked great. Dane, you've been watching a lot of it in like the round, the, the pre, not the, the round Robin games and stuff like what he's been awesome. Yeah. I, I think that that stat, of the, the plus minus you, you can really tell um obviously that's something we've seen from rudy in the nba for a long time it's one of the ways we can quantify impact but i feel like there, there's times when you're just watching a basketball game and you can tell that a, a team is just has significantly better odds of winning when that player's on the floor and uh gobert is, is definitely that for france he was that for them today uh they actually have like three seven footers on the the, the France team and they play all three of them every game. They actually have played two of uh, Gobert and Vincent Poirier next to each other, which I have found kind of um, interesting just from the sense that he's going to be playing next to cat this year. But yeah, today you like Gobert checks out of the game, I think in like the third quarter and France has like a seven point lead and they bring him Mustafa fall and the lead just kind of falls away. It's flips to the, the other direction. And I think it was, uh, Italy was up like six or seven by the time Gobert checked back in, in the fourth quarter. And then they just like, that's what Gobert does, man. He just like executes. Like if I had to articulate what Gobert does, particularly on defense as he executes. And, and that's, they've, they've done that a handful of times here in, in Eurobasket, the world cup qualifiers, close games. 
they found a way to to win by executing late, which is something the Wolves last time they played were not doing at all. So, I mean, it's just it's just another way to think about. Yeah, Rudy provides things. He doesn't provide everything, but he still provides things that this team hasn't had and really has never had. One thing I love about your coverage, you are you're very good at being able to go into X's and O's and answer the why on behalf of fans. And and so I'm going to throw this to you, Dane, and we can kick it around the room. But I've found it fascinating, even with like the Donovan Mitchell, what should his trade price be? And Kevin Durant is one of the greatest players of all time. And people keep saying, well, I mean, if Gobert got that, then imagine what Donovan Mitchell's going to demand, you know, that what that trade could look like or... Kevin Durant, and I think what's happening, and then, and you look at some of the advanced metrics, and I know these aren't perfect, but PER or win shares per 48, all of them love Rudy Gobert. Win shares tends to love centers, period. But my, my answer to that is when you watch a great wing player or a ball handler, a combo guard like a Donovan Mitchell, you can see what they're doing to impact the game. Oh, he's making threes. He's dribbling into the lance. A lot of offensive things you can quantify and see. The value of Gobert oftentimes is the things that don't happen because he's in the game defensively. That there's oh. there's a there's a shot clock winding down to three seconds because they can't get into the paint or into their offense the way that they want because he exists. And he might not get a block or a rebound on the play, but because he exists, the opposing team was inefficient offensively. And it's just and so I, I told Kyle a couple weeks ago, this is gonna sound ridiculous, but A, I think well, two things. I think I'd rather have Gobert on my team than Donovan Mitchell. And I'd rather have 30-year-old Rudy Gobert for the next four years than be locked into four more years of cantankerous, indecisive Kevin Durant. And I know that sounds insane, and I'm probably wrong about that. But my point is, there's a hidden value to Gobert's game that I I have trouble quantifying. What do you think about that take? Yeah, I think it's something that, honestly, I've just started experiencing by watching all these FIBA games is... You, we will all, all of us who are watching the Wolves night tonight will start picking up on those things. I think right now it seems a little foofy up in the air with wind shares and vorps and all those sort of things, but you will see, and I think that's a great example, Phil, of like late shot clock situations and, and turning those in to really low percentage shots. It's like Rudy Gobert defensively, forces the offense in those situations into being like, remember when Andrew Wiggins would always take the late shot clock shots for the Wolves? Yeah, like, yeah. seriously. I and they would not go in often. And it's like, Gobert kind of turns every late shot clock situation into that for the opponent because he can, you know, there's only four or five seconds left. He can hone in on that. They, they, they can't afford to swing swing to, you know, to, to the next best pass to get to, to get to his players. So there will be a ton of small things like this that we pick up on. But I think, you know what? To be fair, um, a lot of times I watch these FIBA games and I'm pretty underwhelmed by Gobert too. He is both, right? He is he's your, your sneaky, good, impactful player. That's that's undeniable. And he's undeniably a player that when your team is losing, you are going to have wished that Gobert could do more than, than he does. And you aren't getting – you aren't getting Giannis in Rudy Gobert. You aren't. And, and that's okay you're getting something close to that. And in theory, something very close to exactly what the Wolves need in the greater context of their roster and the way they want to play. 
So I think you've talked to Finch a couple times. There's like media things. Uh, I know Doogie talked to him earlier this week for an upcoming interview. Um, but one of the messages from Finch has always been that they wanted, they think that there's more to unlock from Gobert offensively. And you see a little bit of that, right, from France. Like you've seen him post up a little bit. I mean, it's minor sample sizes, but like knowing how much you know basketball and way more than I do, like what do you think? Did A, do you think that, do you think there is more to unlock? And then no. B, how, okay. So forget B, like just explain why A, like explain why there isn't more to unlock with him. Cause he doesn't I look, mean, he, he's not that talented yeah. offensively. You saw it today. Yeah. I mean, you could try and give him the ball in the post more right. often. Right. Um, you could try and use him as a high post passer more often, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be super productive in the terms of like today's NBA. I mean, then we kind of like draw the line of like effectiveness, particularly in like a half court offensive does when the player does X action, does it deliver more than one point per possession? And you got a ton of guys, you know, in, in the league who are in pick and roll, like they're over one point per possession, but in today's game, it's like four or five guys who are over a point per possession in post-up situations. Carl has been that a couple of years. He was not last season. It's just, it's a hard place to make a living in the NBA today. So my question for Finch and will be, what are these areas that yeah. you are going to expand Finch's game? And why are those a good idea to lean into? I don't think it'll be post-ups. I, I think he envisions maybe having Rudy holding literally holding the ball at like 18 feet from the basket top of the key and using him more as like a dribble handoff guy than he has in the past. But if you're trying to make Rudy Gobert individually produce more offensively, I think that's probably a naive aspiration. And it's again, fine. He's awesome in pick and roll. I think we've seen even a little bit of growth in that in FIBA play this summer, but that's what you're getting from him offensively. Yeah. I think one of the things I love about him offensively is that he isn't trying to do a million things that he's not capable of doing. And by just focusing on the things that like the cleanup things or the pick and roll opportunities that he gets, he was a 71% field goal guy last year. And it's not because he's taking 15 foot jumpers or, you know, corner threes, you know, to me, the best thing about Gobert offensively is okay. From a math perspective, the game has a time limit. You're only going to get a certain number of shots as a team. And it's gonna, it's not going to fluctuate a whole lot. And so he's going to take about eight of those shots and score 15 points on eight shots. Which And however, whether it's an offensive rebound or a pick and roll or a lob or whatever, like, okay, cool, I get to start the game with 15 points on eight shots. And now the rest of the team just has to get, like, 100. <laughs> you know, for the rest <laughs> right. of the it, it, it But you makes, have a roster makes for that, right? Like yeah. you, you theoretically have the roster who can get you 90, 100 points outside of that in Ant, D'Lo, Cat. I think kind of some of the bench guys, Jalen Noel, like Bryn Forbes, those are those are offensively focused players as well. So it just goes back into like this puzzle makes some sense in in the weaknesses and strength. And in ways there's questions too. I think in obviously Carl and Gobert, that's gonna be a question mark the whole time. But in theory, you have a roster that makes sense to add Rudy Gobert to. That's kind of undeniable. Where a lot of teams in the league don't, right? Like adding Rudy Gobert to like fifteen teams in the league. Would it make sense on the Timberwolves? I think it makes sense. So I didn't mean I didn't mean to just crap all over him because like I, there was a play today where he had like a high pick and roll and he caught the ball at the free throw line. He took like two steps. He has like he doesn't have a lot of touch. I mean he is like a thin six percent body fat like don't like not Shaq. But I mean like he's far more 
Just dunk everything. Dunk everything. Even from the free throw line, just try to dunk it. Don't shoot it. <laughs> go, go, go gadget arms. Like, yes, activate. Try to throw it down. But so that was the offensive side and limitations. But like, what have you seen defensively? Because on defense, I mean, those, like I said, those on off numbers are for Euro basketball with less possessions, less scoring. Like, that's pretty yeah. crazy for like a six, five, six game sample size. What I think is funny in, in Euro basket is guys just literally don't even go in there. Like, they, it, it's, in ways, you'd be like, oh, Rudy doesn't have a ton of blocks in, in the game. But he didn't have a ton of blocks because they're not even trying. Like, these guys are less athletic and smaller, generally speaking, playing overseas that in the inter- international game than the NBA guys will. Why Rudy has been so valuable in the NBA is his game fits the NBA way better than it fits international play. Because yes. Yes. that is the NBA. It's attack. It's attack. It's challenging the rim protectors it's the pick and roll we're talking about so it's it's fun you watch like some of these dudes like Yusuf Nurkic Jonas Valanciunas straight up better than Gobert in international play I don't even think it's really arguable obviously we know if we flip back to the NBA that's not even a comparison those guys aren't in Gobert's league but that's what Gobert is he takes away the things that the NBA is doing right now and on offense is contributing to the things pick and roll that the NBA is doing so much right now. So he's a, he's a great NBA player. He's a good international player. I think that's yeah. cool. What's and you on. get away with so much more in this Euro basketball. I mean, I've watched, I'm an expert cause I've watched like three and a half games, but you can just like hold people tackle. I mean, it's just, he's mm-hmm. getting just basically like people are holding him down on defense or like not letting him run out to the corners. So I think he'll get some more of those calls, but uh, he, I mean, yeah, he's looked, he's looked great. And again, too, I mean, think about this from just like playing basketball or whatever. Um, you can be like Kevin Durant offensively and just still get a bunch of buckets with four bums, like four Kyles out on your team. <laughs> but when Gobert is like the Kevin Durant of defense, if you have four Kyles around you, it's going to make Durant or make Gobert look so bad. And that's why, I mean, right. you've seen Gobert. I've been trying to translate things and like reading lips. He's been yelling at his teammates all the time <laughs> in words I've never heard of. Uh, so <laughs> you would think that going from like Evan Fournier on the perimeter to like Ant or Jaden McDaniels should help maybe calm Rudy down a little bit because he just seems mad all the time. Well, that's I'm glad you brought this up because this is another great little X's and O's wormhole to dive down. You know, there's I've probably watched like three different deep dive YouTube breakdowns <laughs> of and some of them are, are defending Gobert in like the Clippers, you know, series. So he you know, the, the there's a sort of a a general reputation that that follows him that hey it's great hey he might help you get to 50 wins in the regular season but man when you play small ball in the playoffs you can't even put him on the court so to what extent is he the one that's susceptible Dane against the right small ball lineups whether it's a Golden State small ball lineup or a Clippers you know pick your favorite Western Conference small ball lineup versus the four guys that were on the court with him in Utah just being terrible sieve perimeter defenders compared to what the wolves could put out there you really have to distinguish in the rudy gobert discourse about the playoffs whether we're talking about defense or whether we're talking about offense rudy you could go five out on rudy and that is not going to be the end of the world at all if if you have competent defenders around him like you said phil it had so much to do with the perimeter defenders or lack thereof that Utah has had in the playoffs these last two years. They also played a Clippers team who's great at going small, a Dallas team who's great at going small. They were able to expose the Utah Jazz defensively in the playoffs, not Gobert specifically. I think with Gobert on defense, 
he needs to work on when it is five out, getting a little bit away from his habit to lean in closer to the rim. You just do need to actually respect that perimeter a little bit more. I think that's the one fair knock on Rudy Gobert as a playoff defender. The, the issue is on the other side of the floor. Rudy, it's just what we were talking about before. Rudy does not have the capability, has not had the capability in his career to when a team goes where their tallest player is six foot eight, that we can say, hey, Rudy Gobert, drop it to him in the post. He's going to be able to take care of this guy. He doesn't have that in his game. Whereas a guy like, if it was Yusuf Nurkic, if it was Jonas Valanciunas, you would say, okay, feed him, feed him and, and go to work in the post. Rudy, Rudy doesn't have that. So what the Wolves need to do, what Chris Finch needs to do, is when teams are the playoffs or in the regular season, they try to spread the Wolves out, they try and go small against them. That is when you need to be able to hammer pick and roll. And Gobert can kill small groups in pick and roll action. If it's a 6'8 guy guarding him and he's guarding him in the pick and roll, Rudy's going to jump all over him and be able to dunk that. But you have to hit in pick and roll. You can't go to it in the post. I think the good news with the Wolves is in your starting lineup, you should have two dynamic pick and roll ball handlers that can enable and unlock Rudy in that way and Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell. But we need to let go, or at least Wolves fans, like, I don't know if you trust me or whatever. You, like, go watch the playoff games. It The issue is on the offensive end. The defensive end issues is Utah as a team. And I don't know if we'll ever get to distinguishing that, but in my opinion, it's not that Rudy is perfect. That's what's going on, though. It's the offensive end. So something that he's unleashed halfway across the, the world this summer was he's taken, like, a random three-pointer. Yeah. It doesn't look very good. Um, so I just want to – I was going to save this for later this week when you and I record, but side bet, does Rudy Gobert hit more or less three-pointers than Jared Vanderbilt hit last year? Vando was, Vando was two, two for 14 last year. Wow. I will bet we'll dinner on this. Okay. So I, I think what we've seen Gobert do and what I don't want to see him do at all is like, again, when he's guarded by Nurkic and Valanciunas, like he can't overpower those guys. So what he has done in FIBA plays, he's kind of squared them up sometimes. And that's led to like, he's so damn tall. It's like, you know, so he's squared up. He's like shooting a flat shot at the rim and it looks awful. Like I want to, if we had to choose between, and this goes back to like, what is Finch going to let him do? Don't have him do that. If it's an occasional, <laughs> if it's an occasional wide open corner or top of the key three, depending on how good it looks in practice and how confident they feel in it. Sure. I bet Rudy Gobert hits his first three of his career this season. I don't know. I want to see it in person a little bit before I can be like, because it doesn't take much to justify being able to shoot it. Can he hit 30% of 10 threes? If so, he should shoot 10 threes this year. That's that's fine. I well, will. If he hits 30%, he he should get four. Ma- like if he shouldn't, if he hits three every 10, he's the best player in the league. Do you guys have his <laughs> basketball? Are you staring at his basketball reference page or can I ask you a trivia question? No, hit us. I was on Vando. A lot of zeros. Okay. okay. Can you guess how many threes Rudy Gobert has taken in his career, including playoffs? Nine years regular season, six wow. years playoffs. I'll say five. 
It's high. So, it's a little higher than that. It's it's oh, okay. it's, a, it's eleven. Thirteen is it? 13? Okay, I, it's I, eleven. I like, but I like but 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 four last year and four the year before. So he's been kind of all right, like once every month, once every two months, I'm going to dip my toe. He's going to be the new know. like he's obviously an elite all star like Hall of Famer, but he's going to be like the Mark Madsen for us. Like when he like starts <laughs> to cock that thing back, we're all going to get Twitter ready and like just ready to explode if he hits one. And if, if the season goes off the rails, you know, second half of the year, like it did that one year in the KG era, you can just say, all right, Madsen, you need to unleash eight threes in this game so we can preserve our tanking <laughs> position. No, but Hopefully Dane's, that's not a Wolves thing this year. Hopefully that's yeah. not a Wolves thing. Dane's, Dane's said something that was interesting because, like, we're talking about Rudy shooting, and he's a seven-foot-one guy. And this has been something Phil's wanted to talk about, so I'll throw it to him. But um, watching Gobert play for France – kind of just had made me think this so i did a deep dive all of the timberwolf centers throughout the years including Cronthay towns have never been seven foot like dane you stand next like carl's a big guy but he's 6 11 right kevin garnett yeah, 6 10 6 11 famously was 6 11 6 12 right but never seven foot do you know the last timberwolf and gobert is 7 1 245 mm-hmm. do you know the last timberwolves player to come in at 7 1 any idea so on a, oh. so KG but unofficially right KG so, unofficially but so there have been a couple so seven listed footers. at seven so listed at seven Rasho? I was gonna guess Rasho Rasho Darko um, Darko oh, no no no, no these guys are seven foot these guys are seven okay. foot uh, oh so hold, so Justin Hamilton was seven foot but this was twenty years ago the Wolves had another seven foot one player out of Wake Forest oh. he was a uh and in Arizona he was a rookie Lauren oh. Woods Lauren Woods yeah Lauren Woods yeah. second round pick yeah. man. Yeah. So what about Stoiko Stoiko Vrankovic? Was he seven foot one? My my Chrome might not have let that name come through. I don't know. That sounds illegal. <laughs> um, but no, he uh that was the so the Wolves haven't had a seven foot one guy in 20 years. And the reason I bring that up because that is deep dive analytics, right? Like he's just huge. He is a huge person. I'd say seven two, too. And I don't way. think, I mean, again, he is very lean. I think him and Carl probably weigh a similar weight, but like just going back to, and I know Phil, you can kind of take it from here on his longevity, but like He's a massive, massive human being, and the Wolves haven't really had a big center, as I just said, in like two decades. Well, on the longevity front, too, and this is where, I don't know, I'm going to throw a couple. These are the first two guys that came to my mind refuting one of the arguments that I heard, you know, the days after the trade, which is, boy, he's 30 years old. He's had some wear and tear because he's he's a big man that's been in the league for a decade. How many big men are really that effective at that size, once you start to get to 31, 32, 33. I mean, you could you could pose that for ball-handling guards, too. I mean, how long after 30 did Iverson take to a road? Not very long. So I think you're gambling with anyone past the age of, like, 31 or 32 in pretty much all professional sports. But And for every Yao Ming that had chronic foot problems and other big men, I would, I would point over to Dikembe Mutombo, I'm thinking of like lanky, defensive-centric big men that did a little bit offensively, but were largely focused on you know one side of the ball. So they weren't they weren't they weren't high usage offensive players. They weren't ball handlers. They weren't taking it to the paint and getting knocked down as much offensively. So maybe that preserves some wear and tear. But Dikembe Mutombo played until he was 30, 40. Let's Didn't see he play until he was forty? He was 40, on the Rockets with Finch. Forty-two. Yeah, 42. That dude retired at age 42. He was still an all-star caliber player with Philadelphia at age 35 and then was still a really good player for like almost another decade. And then the other guy that came to mind, Tyson Chandler. 
So he played until he was 37 years old, and he was he was an all star on that Knicks team in 2012-13 as a 30 year old. Um, his numbers really didn't drop off at all until he retired. I mean, he was just a rebounds blocks. You know, he's going to shoot 65, 70 percent from the floor the same way that Rudy Gobert does, which is on lobs and some pick and roll and stuff. So I don't know. Those two guys came to mind as wait a second. They played till they were like 40. Blocking shots, grabbing rebounds, and doing a little bit offensively. So I don't know your thoughts. Yeah, I I don't I don't have a ton of like Rudy longevity concerns, and I think a lot of that just has to do with watching how he runs as a thirty year old versus watching how some of those guys like Yao Ming, you know, more like the Nikola Pekovic, like the cinder block foot guys, right? Where it's just you can just you can just tell there's. In all seriousness, it's just this added, like, weight. Like, Rudy does not move like a seven-footer at all. Like, he – I mean, yeah, he moves like a prime Tyson Chandler, probably even better than that. And and I there are, even in today's game, like the name I was thinking of was Brooke Lopez. He's like 33, 34, still super impactful of the cinder block foot phylum too, but still finding a way to be, you know, effective in it. And I think, like – at least on the like guarantee the three guaranteed years of Rudy's contract, then he has a player option the fourth year. So that's like 30, 31, 32. In that in that window, which is kind of the window, right? I I mean inj- freak injuries happen, but in terms of some sort of like foot issue because he's over seven feet, which we've seen from so many of these guys, I I don't I mean I think Carl's big ass feet would be just as likely to, you know, like yeah, yeah. For, for something to go wrong. And Carl and Carl's yeah. taking a lot more wear and tear on the offensive side, driving and getting knocked down and stuff, totally. right? That that's a that's a huge point of it too. Like Carl's two injuries, right? His two serious injuries of his career, breaking his wrist twice. Same exact play both times. Driving to the basket, running into someone, kind of flailing back, landing on his landing on his right wrist. I mean, mm-hmm. that was or left wrist both times. I mean, Rudy, yeah, like what what does Rudy do that is like really a collision? Like, could he get undercut on a lob or something? I guess, but he's just, he's not a banger. He uses his length to actually like keep distance from guys, which I think, yeah, like I'm not, I'm really not too concerned about wear and tear stuff outside of like the freak injury. Well, my, my niche covering this team is just Googling a player's birthday. So just a couple of things that so we've dropped these names. Tyson Chandler is 30 or was 32 when he won a ring with Dallas and he was a big part of that team. Mm-hmm. That was a great one by Dane. Brooke Lopez is 34 and he's like 40 pounds bigger than Rudy, but like an insurance. Oh, yeah. I mean, but Brooke Lopez is still very, he, and he's doing completely different game than, than Rudy is. But I mean, he's still in the league and dominating and then Gobert, I think, or not Gobert, uh, Embiid turns 29, like a couple months into 2023. So like, he's only like a year younger than Rudy. So, I mean, no one's worried about Embiid's I mean, and he's had a lot of, not freak injuries to Dane's. I'm worried about Embiid's injuries. Yeah, I mean, like, it, who if you had, you know, Embiid's 28 right now and Gobert just turned 30, but, like, if you had to say who's going to still be in the league, I mean, you're yeah. betting hard on Rudy because, like Phil said, like, he could still be protecting the rim at 18 minutes a game when he's 39 years old. Embiid's just going to be, like, doing, like, the he'll fill Charles Barkley's role. Like, there's no way Embiid's going to be playing when he's 39 years old. I also want you guys to know, just for the record, I'm going to pull this up on the screen for the Score North YouTube audience. If you could click subscribe and like, then I will share a Stoiko Vrankovic uh, collage <laughs> of, of photos with you here. 
So uh, he was seven foot two. Look at this seven foot two gloriousness from the mid nineteen nineties right here. Can you see this right here? Yep. Yep. I have right there, man. Stoiko so, Brankovic, seven foot two. So okay, so we went from seven foot. We talked about that Darko, those guys. Gobert seven one. You have the seven two here. I have one more question. I won't ruin the answer to this one. Do you know the tallest player to put on a Timberwolves uniform? And I will give you one clue. He was a former Golden Gopher. Um, I feel like you got this, Phil. He grew up in Lake City, Minnesota. Is it? Can I get two guesses? Yes. He was 7'3". Tre- Trevor Winter. No. One more. Joel mm. Prisvilla. Oh. <laughs> he didn't play for the Timberwolves. Actually, Joel billet Initials are RB. Randy Brewer. Oh, Randy, Randy Brewer. Randy yeah. Brewer, 7'3", uh, played for the Wolves from 89 to 92, a little before my time or right around my time. Um, but yeah, he is the tallest player to to play uh, for the Minnesota Think about how many like Randy Brewers. The NBA was just filled with Randy Brewers for 15, 20 years. <laughs> just, just a, just. There's so many of them overseas now, too. Like, I'm watching them. I'm like, this is a pretty good, like, 7'2". I mean, could never play in the league, but you're like. Well, who was the dude? Who's the dude that went? um, God, he signed a three-year deal, and he just sat on the Cole Aldrich. Like Cole Aldrich made like twenty million dollars to do nothing, and he's a just. I I love Cole Aldrich, good guy. Um, But he, it's like he signed that contract, and then the league just switched on him. Yeah, my favorite Cole Aldrich (laughs) story is that when Dane started covering the team like seven years ago, Dane always puts out this awesome Excel thing on Twitter that shows you the salary cap, and Cole Aldrich was just taking a half million dollars every year. Like into it, like he was the new Bobby Bonilla for the Timberwolves. Just like, oh, like I don't know how much money we have left, but we have to make sure we wire that five hundred grand to Cole Aldrich down the street um, <laughs> on his so, birthday no, those, every day. That, that's a deep dive into into Timberwolves big men. But uh, what? So, Dane, I guess I know you have a heart out here soon, but like, what are you most excited about for Gobert this year? I mean, I know you've talked about Gobert sixty two times this summer, but like, what's the one thing that sticks out about like I can't wait to see him do that. I was recorded uh, my show with Jace Frederick this morning. And uh, what we were, we were talking about was got to know some of like the Utah um, beat writers over the course of the year. And like, they just kind of, they kind of swear by Gobert, right? Like they, they him, become yeah. like the, the biggest defender of him or, or David Locke, who they locked on uh, yep. network that, that like you talk to Locke and he'll, he'll give you 30 minutes of like, this is why go bears. Awesome. Here's 400 different stats. <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious to see how we all in the Minnesota media space, like react, like react to how we understand go bears impact to be. Will everyone just be like, Oh yeah, this is the de- defender we've needed. They, he diminishes field goal percentage in the lane by 17%, blah, blah, blah. Or will some people be like, relatively uninspired because it comes at a $40 million a year cost and the cost of five first round picks, you know, too. So there's, I'm just really interested to like kind of follow what I think. I don't even know what I'm going to think about Rudy Gobert. Where am I going to fall on that spectrum? I'm just, I've enjoyed it in Eurobasket, studying him, focusing on him in ways I didn't when I was watching jazz games. And yeah, just to like actually understand what his impact would be because I think the markets right now are not giving him credit for that 47 and a half wins and the seventh seed in the West does not make sense in the context of your four best players being Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell. So 
I'm interested to see how accurate that is. Are they throwing shade at Rudy? Do they have question marks about how those four personalities mesh? Like, I think that is going to be a great study this season. And I think Gobert will be kind of at the, the center of it. Well, yeah. And the, the irony is, is that he replaces Patrick Beverly as the defensive anchor, but also as the guy we absolutely hated. Like, don't search my <laughs> Twitter, but like, I might have retweeted or laughed at like a Shaq thing where he called him Baguette Biombo. Uh, and now if I saw that on my timeline, I would go to war. So like, he is just our <laughs> oh, new, no. like, we hated him over there, but now he has an area code in Minnesota. Like, I will fight you on the internet for that guy. So uh, he just, Patrick Beverly steps out. Gobert comes in and now he's I'm the biggest Gobert fan on earth. By the way, the Patrick Beverly, I love how Russell Westbrook just stocks press conferences. He does this all the time where oh the you know the front office people are talking about me. I'm gonna sit here in the back and see what they say. And he did it, you know, with the Patrick Beverly press conference and they had to dab it up before man, that's gonna be something. Patrick Beverly but. threw a like six ring circus welcome to LA party the other night. Like he was like it, he posted a video on Instagram. It's like the most well edited video. It looked like I don't know. He just gave birth. It was crazy. Carl was there. Aunt him. was there. So uh, he's happy. Wolves fans are happy. Dane seems happy. Uh, it's gonna be a good yeah. year. Dane Moore have... NBA podcast. Go check it out. Go ahead, Dane. Yes, sir. I was just gonna say, like I I was so unshocked by the fact that Pat Bev was like good soldier in that introductory press conference. Like that's exact. Any of us who covered Pat and yes. sat in on press conferences, like. That's, you know, that's who Pat is. Like he, he will say the right things. He will do the right things because he, he will care about winning. If Russ is on the team as him, he, he will make that happen. I didn't, I, there was no shot in my mind that Pat was going to come up and like really throw any shade at Russ. He will do the connectiveness thing. And I think he'll generally mean it, genuinely mean it because he wants to win. And that's the one thing you know, you, you just, you can't question with, with Patrick Beverly is that's what's most important to him. I, I felt so sad when he was in a Lakers shirt and they were asking him about like, Hey, you get to play with LeBron and AD. And he was like, <laughs> yeah. those MFers get to play with me. And I was like, they missed the playoffs last year. I didn't. Yeah. yeah I missed well. that guy so much. It's <laughs> amazing. So, all right, that's a wrap on this uh, episode of flagrant house here. And you can, you can find these guys on Dane's podcast as well as we, as we share Kyle. That's right. Kyle has two <laughs> NBA and, two and Wolves spot, podcast baby. families. Yep. Uh, Dane, thanks for coming in, man. We appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Dane. Yeah, anytime, guys. All right. That's uh, Flagrant House. We'll see you guys next week here.